so that's why missionaries are out there and that's why a lot of them have stayed on the field and why missions you know still matters because of those reasons so that's kind of the theological you know foundation that i laid then i went on to talk about those areas that i already referenced you know a missionaries you know we can we get because of the craziness of the season we can get very sidetracked from whatever our mission is whatever our our goals are and so to to revisit what our original goals are i think gives clarity and comfort mm-hmm. you know um you know in the here and now and, and, and you know just it just reminds us what we need to do mm-hmm. you know it's like, and you know everybody's like well what do i do well what do i do when's this going to end well let's let's visit the basics let's let's go yeah. back to the drawing board let's let's look at why we're doing this in the first place are those needs still there do we still need to do those things so yes. it's actually a really good way to start. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and then once you lay that once you lay that foundation, it's like, well, everything else like makes sense. Well, of course. If those things yeah. are true and God is who he says he is, and he's told us in his word what he's told us, then this stuff still matters, you know? Um and so one of the, you know, one of the I I I had an interesting um call last week from somebody, a missionary who communicated, you know, that they were feeling on, they're on the field and they, you know, cooped up in their house and they kind of, you know, they were wrestling with, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing what I came here to do. The ministry that people are supporting me to do, I'm locked up in my house because like most missionaries, their, their sort of identity is wrapped up in what are they doing out there? And so one of the points that I made to this guy was, listen, there is a season where, you know, it's your presence that speaks louder than your actions. And throughout the scripture, the promise of God's presence is absolutely crucial. God says, I will go with you, you know, and then Moses says, Lord, don't send us further on the journey if you're not going to go with us. And then the Great Commission, Jesus says, I am with you always, you know, go and make disciples um, of all the nations. And then he concludes with, and I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And so, so that biblical theme of the promise of God's presence um, is relevant. So I told this, told this guy, I said, listen, here's the reality. The reality is you're an American, so you're rich and, and you have access to resources that they don't have. Nobody around you has those access. So they all know that you have, you have the capacity to go back to America. You have chosen not to use the capacity that you have. You've made a conscious choice to intentionally stay living among them. I said, that speaks volumes to them. You don't have to be doing things for them. The very fact that you could be back in the States and you're not by your choice is a declaration to them of the worthiness of God of the truth of the gospel. It's a declaration of your love for them. And so so don't discount the fact that this is the season where um where your presence may be the most important thing. Uh your your continued presence among them may be the most important thing that God is going to use to draw them to himself because you're of your great obedience to him. You know, it's it's an important concept to to try to pass on to people. And uh, because again, in our task oriented culture, you know, we think we always have to be doing things. And you know what it is, Brian, 
it's the it's the actual fleshing out of Psalm forty six ten that most people only have memorized the first part of. Right, be still and know that I am God. The rest of the verses, I will be exalted among the nations. I will mm. be known by all people. Basically, wow, that's that's a great. That's <laughs> that's pretty profound for this. You know, uh, I've been. I just you've prompted in in past conversations. You've prompted by sharing Philippians, just some some thought provoking. Um, you know, concept about just just Paul. You know, just how much was done by Paul while he was in confinement and when under lockdown. You know, just. Mm-hmm. All the the letters he wrote and the people that he ministered to, it's like God is not impressed with your schedule. That's right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and, and that's exactly you're right that you zeroed in on with your your blog post that you actually posted on our site this morning. So you know, you can put a link in to this <laughs> about that. But but it, that's exactly right. And uh, we just again we're so we're so influenced by our culture that we have to be doing, we have to be doing, we have to be doing. And, and that whole Psalm 46, which again, it just baffles me that people get the first part of it, but they don't read the rest of the verse. And, and, and it's perfect. In fact, this is how crazy it is. We, I got a mission, I got a newsletter from one of our missionaries uh, about a week ago and he did the same thing. He, he built his newsletter around the concept of be still and know that I am God and never referenced the rest of the verse. Well, so with loving care, I wrote to him and I said, brother, dude, read the rest of the verse. It's totally relevant to what you're saying. God's teaching you to be still and know that I'm God. And you're there because he wants to be exalted in all the earth. So he, he wrote me back and said, oh, man. But yeah, it's like, come on. So, um, yeah. Anyway. That's hilarious. Man. Yeah. So, so you know, there is this idea that, um, to me, the, the, I, I guess what I could say at this point in the pandemic and the lockdown, you know, if somebody was to ask me, what's one of the key points that you've made um, or key things that you've discovered? And I, I would say it's that. It's the idea that this is a perfect moment for the church in America to recognize what missionaries have that can be a blessing to the folks here in America, to their church members. Um, and then, and then be willing to give them opportunities to do that. So they're not just reporting in on what they're doing out there, but where the church leadership would actually say to the missionary, could you come up with some of the concepts or principles or truths that have helped you learn how to navigate in a context that we now found ourselves in. Teach us how to walk in a situation like this. And I just think that doing that, there's no greater way to honor a missionary or or declare to them how valuable they are. And, and it's so satisfying to them when they move from being a receiver into the realm of being a giver back to those in the States that they depend on for so many things. So, That's so good, man. Yeah. So anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting season and I, I, I don't know that those kind of lessons are being learned from the churches. I think they are being learned from a lot of people, 
by a lot of individuals. My my prayer specifically is for leadership of churches to kind of get this idea and and value their missionaries. And and how much even better when the lockdown's done, the missionaries that are local that have returned because of the pandemic, uh, seeing them in a new light while they're here before they go back in that same light. So, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing, what I've been involved with, and um, it's been it's been an, a fun season, a challenging season, um, and I think uh, along with a lot of other people, like we were talking about earlier, you know, what do we um, are things going to go back to normal? And my answer is, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that mean? <laughs> what well, what that means is is I think again. God permits to happen in our lives things to correct us, to to help us uh, re- reprioritize. And if we don't seize the opportunity um, that the event or circumstances that he permitted, if we don't seize the opportunity to, to adjust, make a course correction, then I think, uh, I don't know. I think there's, I don't think that's what he desires. There's a level of disobedience. Why would we want to go back to normal when normal was out of balance and off kilter in a lot of ways? That's a deep subject in and of itself, but. You know, uh, I was reading an article today um, and uh, I, I'm going to drop a bomb here, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I would love to get your thought on it. One of there, you know, um, President Trump has—I don't know if it's in his cabinet, but in his circle of influence, he has has folks that are, you know, Bible study leaders, right? And it was it was quoted that um, this COVID, you know, pandemic is um, part of God's wrath. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> I I wouldn't categorize it as part of God's wrath. I would see it as more uh, in the realm of God's um, uh, his sovereign uh, steering <laughs> of a broken, fallen world. In other words, when I think of God's wrath, I, I think directly of, you know, God being the causative agent um, to bring anger, you know, to bring judgment on people where he's he's doing it directly or he's directly influencing, exerting power over other things to bring that upon people. I don't put that in this category. I don't put this in that category. I just think it's it's him letting the 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 default um, nature of a fallen rebellious world take the course that it deserves to take uh, that it that it that it normally takes and he restrains it and now he's not restraining it at the same level he has in the past I I wouldn't categorize it as the wrath of God no okay yeah now I just I just read that I just I just t- actually texted you the articles in okay. NBC News yeah um you have to have the 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 iPhone app or whatever to to read the article maybe right. it's uh, available yeah that's what it said uh, a Bible study leader for President Donald Trump's cabinet even said the virus was God's wrath actually there's a link to that 
article. Um, I guess that was um, uh, Reverend Ralph Drollinger. Okay, is the uh, the guy that um, was quoted as saying that. And um, so anyway, I was just that that was on my mind this morning, and you know, just just be, just because you've taken the angle of you know, here's how you make opportunity out of this. I felt like it was necessary to mm-hmm. ask that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, you know, every, and, and people, I mean, people are wrestling with that question and I feel like we have to in- intelligently, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, know how to respond to it and, 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 and think it through even, even for our own situations in our, in the, you know, in our, in our prayer closets, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 and I, I try to when I when I wrestle with deep questions like this, I try to always put it into a a, a familial um, milieu, like a familial context, like a family, and and the idea of a parent with their children. And so, when you think about a, a parent raising a child, and if you'd say uh, a parental wrath, you know what what is the wrath of a parent? Well, um, there is. There's a difference between the child being, you know, doing something uh, rebellious against the parent and the parent, like when I grew up, got spanked. Right. Right, (laughs) That's an expression of the wrath of my parents on me because they love me and they're trying to correct me and discipline me. And and so uh, it's it's a direct parent generated consequences for my stupidity and my Mm. rebellion versus. The idea of, you know, I'm a kid and I make stupid decisions and stuff happens to me because of my own stupid decisions. Like I, they tell me stay away from the stove because it's hot. And then I go over and touch the stove and burn my finger. Mm. You know, did, <laughs> now, now, you know, is, could I say that's the wrath of my parents? Well, I could um, because, you know, well, it would be stupid to say that that's the wrath of my parents, but Basically, it's the consequence of my choices, and it's right. not directly generated by my parents. And so I, I think there are times in history where God's wrath has clearly come, where he's generating it. I don't think that's the case here. I think it's just us being stupid and him letting us burn our fingers on the hot stove. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's the only way we—that's the only way we get the message. That's exactly right. It's the only way we get the message. And in that, he's in the midst of that, not punishing uh-huh. us. He's not right. punishing us. He's saying, "Oh, I hope you learned this time. Let me let uh-huh. me bring you comfort." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come here, you little goof, and yeah. give you a hug. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking specifically of a time when this happened with my kid and the hot stove, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you, little. and you, and you think, you know, to me that in Luke, I can't remember where it's at in Luke, but the whole thing of where they come to Jesus and ask him a question about the tower, I, right. they ask him a question about something. And he basically says, look, remember uh-huh. the tower that fell in that town right. and it killed all those people. It wasn't because they were more evil than anybody else. That wasn't the wrath of God. But what he's right. saying is learn from it yourself. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Tower of Siloam or something like that. Yeah. The Tower of Siloam. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next podcast, not talking about COVID <laughs> um, uh-huh. more in the realm that we normally navigate in. But it's I, I think if we don't 
if we don't see this as an opportunity to make changes and not go back to normal as we uh, did normal before, we're nuts. I think we're missing the point, which is kind of, again, the Tower of Siloam that fell on those guys. Hey, if you go back to normal after hearing that story and understanding the truth that I just shared with you, that's kind of dumb. And the thing is, is everybody, everybody's thinking this way right now. Everybody is somehow open to uh, just questioning, you know, why is, why is God doing this? How could God allow it? Mm -hmm. Um, Is this because of me? Um, What do I need to change? What matters most? You know, all those things, we're all, we're all thinking about those things and thinking about what we're going to do when we, you know, quote unquote, get our freedom back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and what will matter when we quote unquote, get our freedom back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think those, I think that's one of the reasons God has permitted this to happen. He wants us Mm -hmm. thinking at that level because we, we can get into such a routine and, and just, especially here in our country in the bubble that we live in, that we, you know, we're, we're not provoked to think at that deeper level. And um, this forces questions to the surface that should be surfaced and people have to face. And so I think that that's, again, as a believer, as a Bible-believing believer, that's why I think the biblical worldview, you know, the interpretation of reality through a Bible-based lens, I think looking at this situation through a biblical worldview, you, I think we can interpret it accurately and we can interpret God's purposes in letting it happen accurately. So those are deep subjects, but. Well, I mean, it's time for deep subjects. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a time for deep subjects. You know, it's like, I really want to be a different person. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I really want to always be a different person. And I say that a lot. Um, but now I'm really thinking about it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, how can, I mean, I got, you know, I got grandkids and, you know, they're going to, this isn't going to mean a lot to them in five years. You know, they're at the age, like the oldest one's six and, and the the other ones that, I mean, I know that they're at school. They've only been going to school. One of them's only been going to school this year. The other one's been going to school for two or three years, but they're going to forget about this pretty soon. It'll be like a faint memory and it just won't mean a lot. And some of this stuff will have to be explained to them their whole lives. And, and I mean, their teachers are going to be talking about it. You know um, I mean, it is a history. It's a, this is historic, man. I don't know. Well, I think it is. And I mean, it's not historic when compared to the 1917 flu. It's, it's historic uh-huh. for us, right? It's historic in our lifetime, in our lifetime for sure. And I, and I, and uh-huh. that's the thing. Um, I mean, to me, right, we all thought 9-1-1 was going to change everything. Right. Right. It, I'm, really, I wanted to change. Well, it changed the way we fly. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed maybe law enforcement. But did it change the character mm-hmm. and nature of our of the citizens of this country? Mm, not really. Everybody, I mean, there's, you know, there's some consequences of it, but nothing. I mean, at a cultural level, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I do know. That nine eleven, you know, there there were people on, you know, there there were people like that were sort of like one foot in and one foot out, or they were like on the fence, 
do I commit? Do I, I mean, do I commit to a, you know, a God centered life or, or however you want to put that. Um, and nine 11 was the catalyst that changed a lot of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, it reshaped how a lot of people do ministry. It opened doors, you know, as people went to go minister to uh, the folks in New York. And I mean, right. it, it really was historic as was, you know, C- Hurricane Katrina, those those big events. And now we have a worldwide one and there's going to be some amazing stories, Jeff, that come oh, out. Oh yeah. This. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're hearing, you know, a bunch of talking heads on the news. I mean, I just totally avoid the news quite frankly. Yeah. Um, everybody's a scientist, everybody knows. And, and, you know, the story is in the middle of being written right now. And I just can't wait to, to really, see what comes out of this that really glorifies God. There's going to be some cool stories. Yeah, I think there are. And I and I think, yeah, it did change. I mean, individual lives, I think, were changed as a result of 9-11. But in the sense that, hey, you know, we're, uh, we're never going back to normal after this. Well, yeah, some individuals didn't, but generally as a culture, it it really didn't change that much culturally as a large segment, uh, you know, the, the overall culture in the country. I'm not sure that this, even though it should, I'm not sure that this um, will change much because, again, you've got most people thinking they want to get back to normal. Right. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's very very provocative, and I I think that's at the personal level that's what God does in the midst of these things. Like Jesus was saying, look, you need you you know use the tower falling on these people mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. as a wake up call to you personally to repent. Mm-hmm. And that's that's he, to me is the value of the one of the great values of this. He who has an ear, let him hear. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Facilitating the Mission. We consider it a privilege to have you spend time with us. If you found today's podcast helpful, please leave a review on the podcast platform where you heard us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Search at Shep Staff on any of these platforms. That's S-H-E-P-S-S-T-A-F-F.